Public key encryption allows for encrypted private messages. A message sent from Bob to Alice gets encrypted using Alice's public key. Public key encryption also allows for signed messages, so that when Alice signs a message, Alice uses her private key and Bob can verify it if Bob has her public key. In both cases, in both the case of sending an encrypted private message and signing a message, Bob needs Alice's public key. If Bob gets that public key from an email message, Bob is trusting that the email message is secure. And if Bob can't ever verify that very first message that contains the public key, he has no way to verify the messages that come after it. This is the problem of key distribution. How do I get your public key securely? Key distribution undermines the usability of PGP encryption. Serious encryption advocates will sometimes meet in person to exchange pieces of paper containing public keys. Keybase is a company that attempts to solve the problem of key distribution by having users connect social media accounts and devices to Keybase in order to collectively verify who you are and then give you the power to share your public key reliably. Max Krohn is a founder of Keybase, and he was previously a founder of SparkNotes and OkCupid. He was on the show a few years ago to discuss the basics of Keybase, and in this episode he explores some of the abstractions that Keybase has built on top of its core identity tool. That includes Keybase File System, Keybase Teams, and Keybase Git. We do break down the basics of Keybase, but if you want a more thorough explanation, you might like to check out that older episode, and you can find the first episode I did with Max on the Software Engineering Daily app, which is on iOS and Android, and you can find all of our old episodes in addition to that episode with Max. With that said, I hope you enjoy this episode with Max Crone. Max Crone is the co-founder of Keybase. Max, welcome back to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. We had an episode a couple years ago where we discussed the foundational concepts of Keybase, but let's reintroduce people who may not have heard that episode. How do you describe Keybase as a company today? Uh, sure thing. So we are a company that is trying to make it easy for people to use public key technology uh, in their lives. And so what that that means maybe three different things. The first is that we make it easy for people to publicize their cryptographic identity, which means that we make it easy for, for people to have a, a public profile that shows how you might know them through social media and also what their public credentials are so you could communicate with them securely or if you want, so you can verify things that they've authored. And those, you know, those two things are like the, the yin and the yang of, of public key crypto. It's both useful for encryption and also for signing and verification. But to get back to people's public profiles, if you look at my public profile on Keybase, you'll see that um, I have uh, verified ownership of a, several social media accounts, like a Twitter account, a GitHub account, a Reddit account, etc. And also that I'm the DNS administrator of several DNS domains. And what that means is I've actually signed statements in my, in my Keybase profile saying that I own control of these resources. And then if other people who want to check that out can see that that I've actually posted those on the resources that I've claimed to own. So therefore, anyone who would be trying to impersonate me would have to go through all those steps, which might be very hard because they'd have to break into all of my different social media accounts and post bogus things on them. So that's the first thing that, that Keybase really is for people. It's a way for them to publicize who they are 
and the cryptographic keys that correspond to their identity. And so that's where we really started. But we realized quite quickly that in order to give people that set of features, we had to provide them a convenient way to manage their private keys. So for every public key you have, there's obviously a corresponding private key that only you should hold and no one else should have access to. But it, traditionally, it's been very hard for people to manage private keys. If you ask PGP how to do it, they'll tell you it's it should be on a you know a USB thumb drive that you keep in a safe somewhere, and you know you're probably on your own if you haven't want to move it onto your smartphone because obviously you shouldn't be moving the secret key in a way where any sort of bad guy might have access to it, and that's very hard with smartphones. So. What Keybase also provides is a way for users who don't have to have the most technical know-how in the world to manage their private keys. And the way we do that is that every device you install Keybase on gets its own private key. And uh, if you want to add a new device, that means you have to introduce it to one of your old devices, and they share they share authorization with each other. So now your new device has a new private key that is unknown to any of the other private keys, and also. Un, uh, sorry, any of the other de devices, and also unknown to Keybase. It's unknown to anyone but the but the owner of that device. So um, we've tried to make that very easy for people because it's it, it's a it's a tricky thing to get right. And we also want to give people a way to recover their their identity and not get totally broken into if uh, they manage to lose one of their devices, which actually uh, you know as you as you can guess happens a lot. If you if your hard drive crashes, if you leave your phone in a cab. That should not be the end of your cryptographic identity. You should not have to reset. Rather, you should be able to say with one of your other devices that, oh, hey, I lost my phone in the cab, so just don't use that device anymore. Just use the other three devices that, that I still have access to. And then you can go on and, and not have to reset everything about you publicly, which, which is also a pretty key innovation over things that used to exist. So those are the two things that Keybase is really trying to do at a technical level to, to make it um, easier for people to use public key. And, and maybe one level up from that is we want to give people applications that they could use on top of this public key technology that, that are actually useful in their lives. So people find it very useful to send chat messages, to share files, and, and recently to, to share Git repositories. And we want to make it very simple for people to use the public key infrastructure of Keybase along with these um, applications that they're currently using today just in a less secure uh, format. Public key encryption is widely used when all of my web traffic and my chat messages, they go through HTTPS already on the internet. So what use cases are you solving for? That's a great point. So it's true that if you're a bank or if you're an internet service uh, or or maybe if you're kind of a, a, a technically sophisticated uh, website hoster, that you can go and get a public key and a corresponding private key for your website. Uh, and that means that anyone who's at Starbucks who wants to contact your website or contact a bank, they'll know that Starbucks can't see the messages in between. And that's obviously great for a lot of people's usages. And and clearly, now that we know that WPA2 is, is pretty broken, that just came out today, um, <laughs> it's good that people are using uh, th this technology. However... What that means is that whenever you communicate with your bank, let's say, let's use that example, fine, Starbucks can't see what you're talking about, but the bank sees everything you're talking about as, as you wanted to. So maybe a better example is like, uh, let's say you're communicating with Dropbox. So you're syncing files to and from Dropbox's servers at Starbucks, and Starbucks can't see your files. But Dropbox can see your files, and so Dropbox is able to 
index them and back them up and do whatever sort of internal data analysis they want to do on your files. Um, and that might not be a good idea for a lot of different people. One thing you might be afraid of in that case is that there's someone evil within the organization who's who's snooping on people's documents and wants to figure out maybe the cap table of your company if you decide to store them in Dropbox. Or even if you give these companies the benefit of the doubt, which um, you know, personally speaking, I do, it, it still is a question that they might get hacked at some point. And when they get hacked, what, what that'll mean is anything on their databases will be become open for, for anyone to download and all of your secret documents will become public. And we've seen it happen with a number of different large-scale providers like Equifax and Yahoo. And you know some of these other providers have better track records, but they're just one mistake away from kind of letting the cat uh, out of the bag or the, the horse out of the barn, as it were. And if you are in a relationship with these providers where you can lose your password and they can just reset your account, then you know that everything they have is somehow available to them in plain text. And um, that's true of almost everything people use on the internet today. So in 2017, where security seems to be getting worse all the time, it seems like people might want to take matters into their own hands. And the only thing you could do as a user who's uh, slightly distrustful of your service provider like Dropbox or Google Drive is to make sure that they only get to see encrypted data. And that way, if their data is ever hacked, all the hackers and everyone else gets to see is the encrypted version of your data and not the data itself. Mm -hmm. So that's what people having public keys allows that that goes a, a couple steps further than just the websites having public keys. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. Public key encryption allows for these encrypted private messages or encrypted files. I can encrypt individual files within my Dropbox folder. So when I sync my local Dropbox with the remote Dropbox, it's going to sync encrypted versions of those files. And yes. th those messages, those files are getting encrypted using my public public key. And also, this public key infrastructure allows for signed messages, so that if you sign a message, you are using your private key, and I can verify that it came from you if I have your public key. So in both of these use cases, I need your public key. In order to make these things work, you have to have a way of sharing public keys with people. And if if I get that public key from Twitter or if I get it from an email account, I can't ever verify that first message which contains the key. So this is the key distribution problem. Yes. And this is why people historically have had these key sharing parties where you show up in person and you give your public keys to people. How does Keybase approach the key distribution problem? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I feel like we've seen a really exciting proliferation of uh, security apps like uh, you know your telegrams and your signals. And those apps are super exciting, but they've all cut this corner. And they basically just said, we have these great protocols to make sure that that people, once the key is exchanged properly, can enjoy privacy. But as far as the key exchange, they're just saying, trust us, we'll get this right. And there's, there's no way to audit that. And so Keybase kind of started with the other way of thinking about it. We thought we wanted to solve the key distribution problem first and then build apps on top of it. So if, if Jeff, I wanted to look up your key on Keybase, what I would do is I would, I would first find one of your known social media handles to look you up. So I could look you up by anything you've chosen to prove. And then once I've done so, 
my client who's running Keybase would do a couple things. It would first pull down the record from the Keybase's infrastructure about what the most up-to-date version of your profile is. And that's a little bit tricky to get right, but what that is is it's a sequence of signed statements saying, you know, you'll start that statement with, hi, I am Jeff, and this is my this is my first device, and then you might say, I'm adding a second device, and then you might say, revoking my first device and adding a third device. So those are types of statements that you might see. And also, I'm claiming ownership of this Twitter account, and I'm claim, claiming ownership of this GitHub account, etc. So when I go to look up you, I, I pull all the information about your account. I, it's this chain of signatures. I play them back and make sure that each one is successfully pointing to the previous one and that everything's signed by a device that should have been signing for you at the time. Then, I, then after that's all done, I, I look at all these external proofs that you posted, and, and I make sure that they still exist in the places where you posted them. And so what that means is that my client is actually going to make an HTTPS call to Twitter or to GitHub to make sure that the data that you said was there is actually there. And once I put all that together, what, I'm, what I wind up with is a set of public keys that identify you, one for each of your devices, and also a, a knowledge that, that these other social media accounts that you say are yours are actually um, owned by you, and you, you consented to associating them with your profile on Keybase. And this is a lot of, a lot of steps to get right, but it's where we started, and, and, and it's this notion of identity that we built everything else on top of. If I understand correctly, this is a decentralized trust model where you have your initial key sharing that is backed up by the ensemble of your Twitter and Facebook and GitHub and whatever other social accounts, and the, the bigger an ensemble you have, the more reliable your initial public key sharing is. Is, is that correct? Yeah, I, I think that that's correct. I, I think you want to have more devices because you want to be robust to the loss of any one device. Mm. And, you know, un, unlike other services, if you when you lose your last device, your data is gone. Like there's nothing anyone in, in our company can do to recover that data for you. So you really want to avoid that situation. And so that's why we encourage people to add many devices to eliminate the chance that they'll lose all of them. And we obviously further encourage people to use endpoint encryption, for instance, on your iPhone or full disk encryption on your on your Mac to make sure that even if someone does lose that device, if you lose that, your device and someone captures it, that they can't actually access the public key, the, the private key on that device because it's encrypted. So that's why we ask people to use, um, to add multiple devices. And it, it is decentralized, as you say, in the sense that we don't want our users to have to trust Keybase. We want our users to understand how the software works and for them to be okay with them, the software expressing the ideas that I'm expressing to you right now. But if our if our servers are start to lie to people, for instance, if if we become hacked or if you know some some foreign government agency you know tells us that we need to lie about certain public dissidents or whatever, we, we will not be able to because our the software that's already in the wild is holding us to the earlier contract that that we made. So in in that sense. Um, the trust is decentralized because if you wanted to, if you're a bad guy and you want to take over someone's um, Keybase account, you'd have to both hack their Keybase account and also all their other social media accounts. So in, in that sense, it's decentralized. I'm, I get in trouble with like the real hardcore decentralization people like the Bitcoin or Ethereum people if I say Keybase is decentralized because we are not running our infrastructure on a blockchain. We run our infrastructure, you know, as a, you know, as a traditional web service. And every 12 hours, we post 
the the most up to date version of our of our key based database to the blockchain. So we use the blockchain to make sure that that we haven't been coerced to show two different versions of what Keybase's database looks like to to different people. But it, the infrastructure is really hosted on traditional kind of uh, cloud-based hosting services. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people would, would potentially argue with us about this decision, and I'm happy to defend it. But, I, you know, I can't go on the record and say, you know, this is a fully decentralized application. Mm-hmm. Once I have initialized my identity being synced with Keybase or my, my multiple devices and my social media accounts, all with my Keybase account, I can start to do some interesting things. And the first interesting thing that you built was the Keybase file system. Explain what the Keybase file system does. Sure. So we thought about how people, if people did care about end-to-end security where you know Dropbox or Google Drive can't know what's in your files, we thought about what, what the steps involved would be. So the first thing you would have to do is look up someone else's public key You'd have to encrypt a file for them using their public key. You'd have to put it into Dropbox. They would have to download it from Dropbox, then decrypt it with their secret key, and then open the file. So what what KVFS is, it's combining all of you know all steps of that chain into a simple operation, so that the users are basically ignorant to the fact that the cryptography is actually happening. Is just magically happening under the covers. And so when we first started KVFS, it was more like one-on-one sharing opportunities. So if you knew someone else, maybe a couple of people you wanted to share with, you could make a folder that the three of you could access. And then anything you put into that folder was was signed for you, by you, and encrypted for the other two people in the share to see. And they would have the reciprocal experience when they went to read the read the file out of that, that share. We've recently improved that feature by by adding the notion, very obviously natural notion of a team. And a team, as far as Keybase is concerned, is um, a, a group of, let's say, one to a hundred, a thousand people that all go under some that, that all can be captured under one name. Like, uh, let's say, uh, Poker Pals is one we use. It's like an in, informal team, or maybe a more formal one is like Keybase underscore Corporation or whatever. And so that's interesting now because they could be a lot bigger you don't have to list the people who you know with every file access as you know as you did with our previous uh use case and also that membership can change but once you have a team of people the same kvfs operations still work you put something into the file into the folder and it's now encrypted signed by you and encrypted for everyone in the team and then they get to read out if they're in the team and then verify that you wrote it so that's basic um kvfs both in the original case that we um, put out there and also the the more recent uh, iteration that has the, the team support for it but um it shows up on your on your mac or linux or or windows machine as a regular folder but it's a folder with seemingly magic properties because it's doing all this crypto under the hood without your applications or or you really having to know about it so a simple example is if i want to post a soup recipe to uh-huh. a folder and i want to share it with three of my friends. Why don't you walk us through, just ref- refresh, the, for the people who c- kind of okay. were confused on the first uh, explanation of okay. creating a Keybase account. So let's say these three different people, they create their Keybase accounts, they create a shared folder. Give us, just give us an overview, kind of a, an abbreviated, condensed version, because I know you already explained the process, but I think just to refresh people, give them a second chance to catch up uh, for for what they're what they might be confused about. 
Okay, great. So let's say um, I'm Max and I'm sharing with two people. Let's call them Alice and Bob. So software running on my computer, when I, when I first go to, to share a file, so I'm just, as you said, I'm just dropping a soup recipe into a folder. What my software will do is it'll look up Alice and Bob on Keybase. It will, as I mentioned earlier, it will play back uh, their identities. So Alice has two devices, Bob has three devices. They, they have both these set of social proofs. And my client will, if Alice and Bob are people I've never spoken to before, it will show me what their profiles look like. If they are people who I've spoken to before, it will just check to make sure that everything is still as it remembers. And if so, it will take these, you know, Alice had two public keys, Bob had three public keys. Let's say I have, you know, four public keys. So in total, that's nine public keys. My client will then cook up a, a, a shared secret. So let's say it'll be a 32-byte secret, and it'll encrypt it for each of those nine public keys. And then it'll use that shared secret to encrypt the file that the soup recipe that we put in the folder. So basically, we're not encrypting this, the soup recipe nine times. We're encrypting it once, and we're giving the encryption key to everyone who should have access to that folder um, via public key technology. And the other thing uh, my client will do before writing that soup recipe to the folder is it'll also sign it with the, with the private key of the device that's doing the, the sharing. And then once that's there, Alice and Bob could go into their devices. They'd first basically do, they'd do this whole thing in, in reverse. So let's just say Bob finds the encryption of the secret key for his device. His device will decrypt it. That will yield the 32-byte shared secret key, and then that will be used to decrypt the soup recipe. So that's just one file, uh, and we, we have the same guarantees over a whole hierarchy of, of files, and so file names are encrypted, the contents of directories are encrypted and signed, and you kind of add this all these components up, and now you have this fully encrypted file system tree that Alice, Bob, and I are sharing. And as far as the key-based servers are concerned, we don't even know what is the soup recipe and what is the directory that contains the soup recipe. It's just all blocks that, that are totally encrypted and, and hidden from us. Mm -hmm. That's great. And now that you've simplified that example a little bit more, I think we probably have motivated things for, for people who may have been uh, a little bit lost at the, at the beginning of the show. This happens in some of the more complex topics where people are listening and and like in the in the early stages of the show they're just like a little confused and then later on they're like oh i wish i would have understood that complex topic that people were discussing at the beginning so for those types of people let's let's quickly run through just one more time sure. how somebody like what happens during the sign up of keybase why this is an extra usability uh, a modern uh, modernized for our modern, you know, multi-social network, multi-device world version of PGP. Right. So, so the things that are different here in Keybase is that in the exam, in an example I just mentioned, is that you know I I have multiple devices and not one device, and so and so does Alice, and so does Bob, and and when I'm encrypting for, if I understand the question properly, when I'm encrypting for Alice, when I'm encrypting for Bob, and and they're encrypting for me. I have to make sure I'm encrypting to the right, you know, set of devices that represents them. And that set of devices is always a changing set of devices on the, you know, just because over time we throw away computers, we buy new ones, etc. And so uh, the, your identity is just 
cryptographically, it's, it's a set of personal devices that represent you and a set of public-facing social media names that you want to be made known. And the challenge here that Keybase is trying to solve without anyone knowing about uh, the details is just making sure that the that when I go to encrypt for Bob, I'm getting the three devices that he's currently using, not the one he left in a cab last year, and, and that this Bob has these three devices and that he has proven to me that he's the right Bob, not a Bob who Keybase is claiming he is, but the right Bob because my client is also checking that he owns the GitHub account and the Twitter account and the Reddit account that I know that I know him by. Mm-hmm. So, so these are all part of the same computation. That if if any of these components are done improperly, uh, it would be an attack vector. And the attack vector might be that an evil keybase, if our, we if our software didn't work properly, would insert a bogus device for Bob. And that bogus device would be one that a government agency controlled. And therefore, the soup recipe would be known to the government agency because that fourth device that I encrypted for Bob uh, mistakenly was actually not his device at all, but a bad guy's device. And so our client protocol is making sure that type of thing doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And when I am signing up for Keybase, is there there's this like event, right, where on all of these different accounts, on your GitHub account, on your Twitter account, on your Facebook account, you simultaneously publish what your public key is, right? Like the, there's a there's a moment where all these things are synchronized. So when Keybase looks, when Keybase scrapes all these different sites and communicates with different devices, it can synchronize with all those at once and know that this is the ensemble of identities. Yeah. Um, so so the thing we ask you to to post to. So let's just go over, you know the let's say the, the GitHub example. So when you sign up for Keybase and you prove ownership of, um, of a GitHub account, we give you this little block of text that you then go and post on GitHub. And what that text is, it's not just your public key. And it, it wouldn't really make sense for it just to be your public key because then we'd be asking, you know, well, which public key was it? Is it the public key that you then lost? Or is it like, what we do instead is we ask you to publish the last signature you've ever made in your Keybase account. So that basically captures the whole state of your account up until that time. So what we asked you to post on GitHub will be, it, it'll point back to your Twitter proof if you did that previously. It'll point back to the first device you ever used on Keybase and maybe revocations of devices you lost in cabs and provisionings of new devices you went out and bought because you really wanted to get the iPhone 8. So the thing that we asked you to publish on GitHub is a cryptographic summary of all of that stuff. And so it's it's way more powerful than, than just posting your your public key. And so when I go to look you up, I I you know, I make sure that whatever you posted on GitHub is the same thing that Keybase is reporting back to me. So therefore, I know yet in a different way that Keybase isn't lying and and making malicious stories up to to compromise your identity. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense to me. And for people who you know, are still confused, I think you can go back to the previous episode that we did, or you can look on the Keybase documentation, which is really good, has some great explanations of what's going on here. Let's get back to the file system. How are these files stored and synced? Give me the client-server model. Sure thing. So the easiest way to describe it is that there's basically... You know, so this is not a Dropbox model where basically, so the Dropbox model more or less is whatever you put on your machine, Dropbox um, lazily synchronizes to its servers. And so after about a a 10 minute 
you know, however much data you have after that window, all the data is synced in, in probably arbitrary order between your computer and Dropbox. So our, our file system has a bunch of different properties. I think the first property, which is pretty compelling, is that you can have, you know, 10 terabytes of file on Keybase, files on Keybase, and only, you know, 10 gigabytes of storage on your device. And so that's actually quite useful for people who have, you know, more and more. It seems like our SSDs are not growing. They're not keeping up pace with the amount of data we have. So, so this is one, one thing that's very nice about Keybase, where you don't have to have as much local storage as you do files. But, but the, way, the way the Keybase system works is that our, our file system client is actually, at the operating system level, it's, it's understanding every system call that your application is making. So the first system call you might, your application might make, let's say you know, a word processor would be to open up a file. And so that, that means the Keybase client running in your machine gets this open call and then sends that off to the server. Um, and well, sorry, sorry, the open, let me get this right, it's a little bit tricky, probably means that the directory that the file was in is modified. So then the Keybase client sends that new updated directory, encrypts it to the server as this encrypted block, and now that the directory with that new empty file in it is now on the server so that other people who want to see it can download that new version of the directory and see that file exists. So that's the first system call. The next system call might be like a write. So let's say your word processor, you type a bunch of words, you hit save. Um, that probably means there's going to be a write to the file and probably like a sync of that file. So what that means is a, a new file has now come into life. That's going to be encrypted. It's going to be a block, probably one if it's a small file, it's going to be one encrypted block. That's then sent to the Keybase servers. Uh, the directory probably has to be updated because the, the file in that directory is a, is a different file. So that probably the directory itself has to be encrypted and sent back to Keybase and then so far and so forth, uh, so on and so forth, all the way up to the root of the directory tree. And so basically all that happens kind of piecemeal until eventually this file is put down onto, onto storage and the Keybase servers have it and other users can now, can now view the file. It's, it's called a Merkle tree, basically, and, and the file system itself is represented as a Merkle tree, which is quite um, useful for, for performing cryptographic operations over the whole tree. So when you actually sign the state of the file system, you're not signing each individual file, you're signing the, the state of the whole tree so that if someone wanted to tamper with your files and let's say change a file name or change you know, what file a file name pointed to, that would be detected um, as a result of signing just the root of the tree. When you talk about that Merkle tree that defines the file system, are you talking about a user's file system or is this a global Keybase file system? This is the global Keybase file system. Okay. Um, and users are able to write into certain subtrees of it. And so, you know, that, that soup recipe directory I had with Alice and Bob, that's, um, that's a, a subtree of that file system. And above that, all those, subtree, all those subtrees for each group of users is combined to get one global Keybase file system, which is also, the whole thing is, is basically captured in one 32-byte hash. That's like the state of the whole Keybase global file system. Of course, you know, access control is, is very important here. So just because it's a global file system doesn't mean everyone can access all parts of it. And so the crypto ensures that you get to see only, only the right parts of this global file system. And what are those parts? So, you know, if I'm Jeff and I'm, I've got a shared recipes folder with Alice and Bob that's, you know, that originated in Bob's 
home directory. What is like? What is my local snapshot of the file system look like? How am I interacting with it? Yeah, I, I mean, when we first implemented it, you locally didn't store any files. These, all of these, um, all the blocks that that used to make that soup directory were kind of were loaded from the network as you needed them and written back as you wrote them, and nothing hit your local disk at all. And that was that was kind of V one of Keybase. Since then. We, we made a bunch of different changes to improve performance. And so one change that we made is that we have a, a what's called a file system journal so that you can, if you're doing a whole bunch of operations, like let's say you're untarring or uncompressing a compressed zip file, that's a classic example where like one click of the mouse can, can cause 100,000 small file system operations. So, so now our most recent client will just kind of uh, write them to local disk, buffer them up, and send them all, all in, in batches, so that each you know each of those two hundred thousand operations isn't a round trip to the server. So that's one thing we've changed recently um, for performance. And the other thing is that if if we see you're accessing the same files over and over again, we'll just prefetch on your on your local client you know those blocks that correspond to the files that you access the most. And those are just optional improvements that are not there for correctness, but just there for performance. And, you know, obviously we're, we're still trying to find the right trade-off between performance on the one hand and, you know, n- not hogging too much uh, storage on the other. Um, and, and there, you know, there are a bunch of sliders you can slide in between there, but that's, that's more or less our model. So it's a totally different model from the, from the Dropbox model. It's probably closest to the Dropbox Infinite model, which they released last year for their business customers, which is a little bit more on demand. You know, you don't have to selectively sync ahead of time this whole part of your shared files. You just kind of go and access this, access the files, and they magically appear. So, they, so that's you know that's like the the easiest kind of comparison I can draw to to what's currently out there in the market. Mm. Sorry, but you are storing the files on Keybase's servers. Yes, we're storing everything, and we use Amazon Web Services, so everything is stored as encrypted, signed blocks, and blocks can be anywhere between. You know, a hundred. Sorry, let's, let's say a thousand bytes um, for you know small files or small directories up to like I think the maximum block size is eight gigabytes, eight megabytes or eight gigabytes. I think it might be eight gigabytes. And then you know from there we can make much bigger files by putting a bunch of these blocks together and making bigger files. Actually, I, I'm wrong. The maximum block size is 512k. So that means if you have a if you have a let's say a, a video that's um, I'm not going to do the math right, but let's say it's a, a terabyte long. That means you'd split this file up into 512K blocks and kind of store each one of those individually on the Keybase servers. And then, you know, the, the person you're sharing with would kind of download all those blocks and stitch them back together and present a file to your application so the application can watch the video. Okay. And so on my local device, I've got... Is it basically like a directory structure? I don't have the actual files, but I've got like a directory structure. Mm-hmm. And every time I open a file that's on that directory structure that I have access to, like the recipe, it's going to check and make sure that my local, the sorry, the private, I guess the private key I have locally can be used in concert with the one of the public keys that I signed up for this file with because you in that example you gave with Alice and Bob where they've got nine keys between them and maybe I've got three keys myself and that's you know 12 keys so there's 12 different devices that can access that file and as long as I've got one of those those keys that gives me access to that file I get I can retrieve it from the server yep yep yeah 
Exactly. So you can retrieve it from the server, A, and, and B, you can decrypt it. And the server doesn't know if you can decrypt it. It just hopes you can, because it, it certainly can't. And yes, and then once the blocks are decrypted, um, indicate to, to the software running on your machine how to stitch the blocks back together to make a file system, to make a directory tree, to make it look to your local operating system like you're dealing with a, with a local file system. But that's an illusion. It's just something that's just presented at the very last minute to the applications to make it, to make it look like regular files. But mm. really, these are you know, encrypted, synced, signed files without the applications having to know it. Mm. So what if I try to access Sally's recipe for green bean casserole and I don't have permission to that, but I'm but I'm accessing it in a place where it actually exists on the Keybase's global remote file system, am I going to get some blob of of uh, blocks and then I'm going to fail to be able to encrypt it? Yeah, actually we're doing a little little bit of belt and suspenders here. We're not even letting you download that block to begin with. You know, you'd have to prove first to our servers that you could access and that you were one of the people listed in the access list for that file. And you do that through just kind of an, like a, a standard authentication mechanism. And then once you did, you'd be able to download the block and then, and then decrypt it. So in the case you mentioned, you'd fail even to download the encrypted block to begin with, because, you know, why should we let you even do that? It seems like a safe thing to, to do. But, you know, if someone broke into our servers and published all of the contents of our S3 buckets uh, to the world, then we'd obviously lose that first. We'd lose the suspenders, but we'd still have the belt, which is that obviously you need the private key to decrypt to to actually look at Sally's recipe. Hmm. So what goes on in that communication between the client and the server there where I've got to be able to authenticate Mm -hmm. somehow to be able to even... Uh, prove yeah. that I can get the right blob of stuff. <laughs> well, well, this we have a, a very convenient answer for. Authentication is done with uh, with your signing keys. So the server presents you a challenge and say, "Hey Jeff, please sign the statement for me." And then you use your uh, oh, whatever okay. secret key you have to just yeah. sign that statement and send it back. And the server knows w- what are the public keys that ought to represent you, and therefore it can say, "Yep, that's Jeff." He can um, he he's allowed to access this data. So, um, you know, it's, it's not too different from authentication you would do with your bank, but it's, it's better because it's using public key. You know, it's, it's probably most similar to like SSH authentication, where if you SSH to another machine, you're probably not typing your password. You're just using this automated experience where you're using your local secret key to sign, to sign a challenge to prove you are who you say you are to the server. When you build a new file system these days, how much can you take off the shelf? It's a good question. We actually wound up basically not taking much off the shelf. <laughs> we take our crypto components off the shelf for sure. So this is a decision we made early on that's, that, that's just been so far and away the right decision. We hmm. used the SALT or NACL library written by Dan Bernstein to do all of our crypto. And it's just... Uh, you know, every week you'll see another vulnerability in, in other libraries. Like, you know, GPG has had a, all these timing attacks that people come out with. And, you know, t- today I believe there's there's a problem with there's a problem with the hardware generated PGP keys and, and some weird implementations of, of PGP devices. And, you know, we've just had not even close to a problem with, with this library. And we've been just so grateful for it. And I mean, he's made so many correct decisions. And and all these vulnerabilities keep reinforcing that in our minds that, that this is just great engineering. So 
that we took off the shelf. We are very grateful for, for Go and, and for, the, for the incredible libraries that they have because, you know, I come from a background where we used to write everything in C++. And the, the issue I always had with C++ is it was so hard to assemble a group of libraries that worked well together because everyone had a slightly different model of threading or a different, you know, uh, memory, memory protection and kind of garbage collection model. And you know, the nice thing about Go is everything in the ecosystem works together so seamlessly. So all that stuff we've taken directly off the shelf. But when it comes to, you know, a cryptographic file system that's distributed and that, that works with our identity model, we really couldn't use anything um, aside from those components I just spoke about. So we had to, we had to write a lot of it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me something that was really hard about building the distributed cryptographic file system that is Keybase file system. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's an ongoing challenge. And one of the challenges of, of a file system that's uh, accessed in this way, uh, where it's like this on-the-fly access, is that the operating system is giving you, it's giving you pretty stringent requirements. On OS X, for instance, we have to answer a system call in 19 seconds. And if we don't, There'll be there'll be a message sent back to the client that says like oh you know your your file system is not available and obviously if you're plugged into a great connection that should not be a problem but if you're on a laptop and your Wi-Fi cuts out it's a little bit more of a problem because you know you could easily have you know 30 seconds of of, of disconnectivity that that is just normal but you know we have to find a way to mask that as far as the user is concerned so that's been one of our biggest challenges uh, just dealing with that 19 second timeout. And I believe Linux has like a 60-second timeout, so it gives a little, little bit more time. But we've had to come up with a whole bunch of strategies under the covers to, to if there is a network condition that's not great, to kind of mask that and, and let the application keep working. So that's definitely been one of the biggest, um, biggest challenges. You touched on this earlier, that you integrate with the blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain, to ensure integrity of the Keybase file system over time. Yes. Come back to that. Sure. So... Everything in Keybase, from the file system to the depictions of people's identities, everything is stored in a series of what are called append-only data structures. And so what that means is that we wanted to avoid the case in which an evil Keybase could drop things off the end of, uh, of people's identity chains. So here's a good example. I, I leave my phone in a cab. The cab zooms away. I go to my computer and I say, please revoke my phone. And Keybase just doesn't, Keybase gets that request, but just doesn't propagate it to the, to the rest of the world. And it just kind of hides that and it pretends I, I never said it. And so now that person who gets my phone, who finds it in the cab, can then access um, all, of my, all of the Keybase services as if they were me, even though I tried to revoke the device. So that's something that needs a good solution. And the solution, more or less, is, is what we call these append-only data structures to make sure that the, an evil keybase is never in a position where it's able to roll back the state of the world to a previous state. That once it publishes a state, it can only make uh, changes and modifications to that state. It can't pretend that something that happened, that it said happened, didn't happen. So we built everything in keybase with an append-only data structure. And that, that still leaves one attack open. And one attack is that if... I'm showing a version of Keybase to you, and I'm showing a different version of Keybase to your friend. I can get away with that as long as I never try to merge the two versions together. So it's like basically I I could fork the the state of Keybase. I could 
be appending onto fork A and mm -hmm. appending onto fork B. And this is like a super evil key base. It could, it could just make sure that the, <laughs> both sides of the fork never know about each other, and then it can get away with that. So there's one additional precaution we take, which is that Keybase has to say this is the right version of Keybase in the Merkle in the in the Bitcoin blockchain, and there's only one of those, and so therefore that that kind of fends off this last attack, this forking attack, because there's no because Keybase would be forced to put either fork A or fork B into the Bitcoin blockchain. It can't do both, and so therefore anyone who has access to the Bitcoin blockchain can know they're on the right fork. So that's what we think, you know, everyone talks about Bitcoin for, for solving a million different problems. This is, in our view, the most important problem it can solve and everything else we can do off the Bitcoin blockchain and, and get all the security guarantees that Bitcoin allows. Hmm. What an elegant solution. I know we're up against time. You have had some pretty cool product releases recently with yes. Keybase Teams and Keybase Git. So Keybase Teams is described as like Slack for the whole world or a team Dropbox where the server can't leak your files or be hacked. And Keybase Git is Git on top of yep. Keybase. Could you quickly talk through these products sure. and how they, I guess, also how they represent the big vision of Keybase? Yes. So our big vision is that we want people to use Keybase for applications today. We want to I think our biggest, biggest vision for Keybase is we want to build this graph of cryptographic identities where you know who my friends are and, and these are not just Facebook saying it's this link, but this is like the real cryptographic link that nobody could have possibly faked. And we want people to know what all my devices are. So that's like the ultimate overarching goal of Keybase. But before we get there, we really want people to use this product um, today for problems that they have. And I, I think Teams is something that took us forever to build because it was actually quite complicated. And we, we, we got to Teams because the original version of Keybase wasn't sufficient for a lot of people's needs. I mean, it, it's easy to say like Bob, Allison, and, and Jeff are, are this small group of people and they're never gonna change, they're never gonna add Sally. <clears throat> and, and that's what our original version of Keybase was good for, but that doesn't work at all for people's companies where uh, obviously um, employees come and go. And um, it's also, it's nice to have a name for something. And so that's where the idea of team, uh, a team comes in. Now, we talked several times about how a person's identity is this kind of sliding window of device changes. And it, it's only after you play them all back in, one, in the right order that you get to the right version of what the person is at the present. So a team is the same thing, just one layer up. And so a team is a combination of people where you, know, you and I start a team and we add Sally and then Sally adds Bob and then I decide to, del to delete Bob and, and so on. And so there's this very kind of parallel structure in the team where the c composition of the team is changing over time, but it's always cryptographically verifiable that it's the right team of people. And you can imagine a server attack here where, you know, let's say you and I are on the board of directors of, of, of a public company and we're discussing some sort of upcoming big decision and our, our, our nemesis is trying to get access to this data, one thing they could do if they co-opted Keybase is to insert a fake person into the team that just gets to, you know, a fake, a fake director who's just getting access to all this information. And unless your system has some sort of protection against that attack, all the encryption in the world doesn't help you. And so what Keybase Teams does is it allows the users of the, the members of a team to, to audit and verify that the correct team members are in the team 
at, at the given time. And so uh, that's why it was so, that's kind of a, a snapshot of why it was so challenging to build. But once we build Teams, we just unleashed it on all our existing products. So I mentioned before, it works with KBFS, it works with our chat product. And, you know, that integration was actually pretty easy. It was just kind of the, the building out of the Teams infrastructure that was the challenging part. So that's something that we think is, is quite transformational. Um, anyone who's using, you know, something like Slack inside their organization, I, I mean, if it were me, I'd feel a little bit worried that if Slack is ever compromised, I'd lose a lot of very important data. And so we want Keybase Teams plus, plus our chat feature to be like a good drop-in Slack replacement with the important added distinction that everything is cryptographically um, verified and end-to-end encrypted, which is, we think, a quite a unique, quite a unique feature. Um, the other thing that you mentioned, Git, um, so Git is kind of a different interface into a file system. And there's a couple more steps. If you if you were to write a soup recipe and and sync it to your friends on on Git, you'd you know have to type git commit and then you have to type git push or you'd maybe use some sort of graphical user interface to do that. And it's a little bit it's a couple more steps. However, it's what people are probably doing now anyway when they start to collaborate on on files, especially source code that has like a lot of different authors where you also want to have a very clear way to review history and to see when a bug was introduced or to resolve conflicts. So we think that, I mean, I don't have to sell Git to your audience. I'm sure everyone loves it, but we just wanted to have a very easy way to use a Keybase file system for Git. And um, that's what, that's all that Git was. It was actually a pretty easy uh, feature for us to build because so much of the foundation was already laid in, in the previous uh, features that we talked about. And of course it works with Teams and it uh, works with um, uh, personal repositories too. So, I mean, I, for one, I'm a tremendous user of this feature. We run a web service. We have a lot of API keys. We have a lot of configuration data. We do not want to push that data to GitHub because um, though GitHub is great for things like code reviews and file browsing, it is not a place I'd ever feel comfortable storing my secrets. And so we use Keybase um, almost exclusively for anything that, that has secret data in it. So that's either chats or um, configuration files or, I don't know, uh, internal kind of management documents for you know, managing uh, our finances or employee offers and stuff like that. Those are things that we feel much better if we keep it secret um, and manage on Git on top of KBFS. Yeah, those are our two most recent features and we're, we're super excited about them because we feel like they're good drop-in replacements for what people are doing now and they have these amazing security properties that are that are quite challenging to to provide. Max Crone, thanks so much for coming on Software Engineering Daily. It's a really ambitious project that you're working on with Keybase, and I love reporting on it. Thank you, Jeff, and thanks for the thoughtful questions and for and for giving me time to talk about this product. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Absolutely.